Back in early 2020, uh, my husband, who many of you may know, and he's a big, bit of a news junkie, um, he started talking to anybody who would listen about this virus he was reading about. And he was adamant that this thing that was happening in a province I'd never heard of on the other side of the world was going to dramatically affect all of our lives, and we should start preparing now. <laughs> now, uh, my response to that was uh, to give him a hard time, basically. Because uh, if you know my husband, you know he has a tendency toward the dramatic, and I thought he was being kind of paranoid, uh, so I joked around about it. Um, but let the record reflect that on this thing, he was right, and I was very, very wrong. <laughs> it's recorded now, it's online. Because um, just a few weeks later, this thing was no longer a news story happening on the other side of the world, right? All of a sudden, it was this looming reality that felt like it was closing in on my own community. And overnight, everything about my life rhythm seemed to change. And it took me totally su by surprise. Suddenly, I found myself being a work-from-home mom <laughs> who was spending endless days attempting to pastor people through a video screen at my dining room table <laughs> while, like, trying to convince my two clothing-averse preschoolers not to street naked through the background of my Zoom calls. It was a new world. And so I started creating these little mental goalposts in my head uh, to keep myself motivated and hopeful. Maybe some of you did something similar. Like I would tell myself that maybe by Easter things are going to ease up. And then Easter came and it went. And so then it was surely by summer when we can be outside, things will calm down, it'll get better, we can reclaim some normalcy. And then that didn't really work out. Um, and then it was, well, maybe when the kids go back to school in the fall. <laughs> and then that got postponed. It just felt like the goalposts kept moving further and further away until all of a sudden I felt like I couldn't really see them anymore. Because with each passing week, it became more and more obvious that none of us really knew just how long this thing was going to last or how it might continue to alter our lives and our communities. And then for me, the fear started to set in as the death toll of this virus stopped being measured in numbers and it started being measured in names I actually knew. I think the last 20 months or so have felt like a roller coaster for so many of us of chaos and crisis, haven't they? It just feels like every time we start to recover and get our feet back from under us from one thing, there's like a new crisis rolling in to knock us off balance again, which is why the good news that I want to proclaim today feels so timely. Because Christmas reminds us that into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Jesus comes as a good and gracious king whose reign will never end. And because he is with us, we don't have to fear life's uncertainty. Today we're going to take a look at three crisis points in scripture, where the good news that Jesus comes as a good and gracious king is a powerful reason for us to hold on to faith even amid crisis. And we're going to do through, so through the lens of a guy named Isaiah. We're in week two of this series called BC, where we're taking a look back at the ways that the Old Testament revealed the story of God and his people before Jesus came, before Christmas. And when we rewind back, we see that God often spoke to his people through special messengers called prophets. We've been enlisting uh, the help of our Go Kids uh, the last uh, few weeks, and we're going to do that throughout this series. And this week, we ask them to tell us what they think a prophet is. So check this out. What's a prophet? Um, I don't know. 
Something you get from selling stuff. What do you think a profit is? I don't know a profit. Tell me, what is a profit? Um... I don't know. <laughs> I have no clue. Ah, circle. Ah, ah, shape. Ah, yeah, flower. Ah, Easter egg. Uh, what? What is your guess? Um, my guess is a prophet is like a thing. A what? Thing. A thing. Elliot, what is a prophet? Someone who delivers messages to people. God's messages. That's an Easter egg. <laughs> Is this why you made me brush my hair? <laughs>
and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Isaiah says this king is coming in the most unexpected, unusual way. He's going to be born as a baby of a virgin, God wrapped in humanity. He's going to live and breathe and walk among us as he establishes his kingdom. And that all sounds like really good news to us now, right? Because we're living on this side of the prophecy. We've gotten to see the character of an up-close God revealed in Jesus. But I kind of doubt that the people hearing Isaiah say that at that time would have felt the same way. I mean, in their experience, being near the presence of God was something to be feared. It was something that only a select few uh, priests had gotten to experience after, like, performing these super painstaking rituals. And there were even stories of people who skipped the rituals and went on into the presence of God anyway, and they were just, like, burned up on sight. So this idea that God was going to get up close and personal, it might have actually provoked some fear in some of them. But God reassures them through Isaiah that his presence is not something to be feared. Quite the opposite, actually. He says that his presence is what can free them from fear. He says this, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. But still, they have to be wondering, like, what is this Messiah going to be like? What is this king who's, who's coming going to be like? In chapter 9, Isaiah gives them a picture of the good and gracious character of this king who's coming to live among them. It's now a, a famous Christ, Christmas passage that, that we read every year around this time. That He says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. That was good news. It was to them in that day. It is to us now. Because into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Isaiah foretells that Jesus is coming as a good and gracious king whose reign will never end. So we don't have to fear life's uncertainty because he is with us. I imagine that, that when they hear these words and they hear about the character of this king, it must give someone living in Judah at that time a lot of hope. They must start looking ahead, trying to find this king. It was probably a little bit like me trying to mark all those goalposts last year. Like with every new king that rises to power, they wonder, is this the guy? Is this him? This is finally it, right? And then one after another, every king falls. And this continues generation after generation for literally hundreds of years until Isaiah's words and his prophecies start to feel like they've faded into the background of all the crisis and chaos around them. But then we skip ahead to the New Testament and we read in the first chapter of Luke that the events Isaiah prophesied were about to come true because God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary, and the angel said, went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words, and she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor, favor with God. You will conceive, just like Isaiah said, give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. 
Now, as followers of Jesus who are getting ready to celebrate Christmas, the angel's words here fill us with joy and anticipation. But can you imagine being Mary in that moment? I mean, seriously, talk about chaos and crisis. Can you even imagine being a 14-year-old girl in a deeply patriarchal society and finding out from an angel, no less, that you're about to become pregnant? That for the next nine months, everywhere you go, you're going to be carrying with you the scorn and the suspicion of your people at the very same time that you're carrying the Messiah who came to save them. That is a lot of chaos to be carrying. But did you notice how the angel reassured Mary when she was afraid? He said, the Lord is with you. Do not be afraid, Mary. The Lord is with you. And there it is again. It's this idea that God's presence is not something to fear, but it's actually the thing that will deliver Mary and us from the fear. And then we know how the story goes, right? Nine months later, in a rundown stable in some back alley in Bethlehem, the king comes, finally. Into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Jesus comes as a good and gracious king whose reign will never end. And because he is now with us, we don't have to fear life's uncertainty. Now, just in case there was any lingering doubt for the people in Jesus' day that he was the guy, the king that Isaiah talked about, uh, we, Luke shows us in just a couple chapters later this epic mic, mic drop moment that Jesus has. Uh, I want you to imagine that you're here and seeing this happen. Uh, he went to Nazareth, where he'd been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet, you guessed it, Isaiah, is what's handed to him. He unrolls the scroll, and in it he finds the place where it's written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolls up the scroll, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sits down. And Luke says the eyes of everybody in the synagogue are fastened on him. And then Jesus says, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Boom. <laughs> He's like, I'm the guy. I'm the guy Isaiah was talking about. Emmanuel, God with you. And then he begins doing what we know he does. He teaches, and he heals the sick, and he feeds the 5,000, and he raises the dead, for goodness sake. He proclaims the advent of a new kingdom, marked by grace and truth for anybody who wants in. And his followers begin to grow in number and in excitement as they begin to embrace the reality that it's happening. Like into their world, marked by chaos and crisis, the promised king has come. Jesus, this good and gracious king, whose reign is never going to end. And now he's with them so they don't have to fear life's uncertainty. But then the chaos and crisis, they, they creep back in, don't they? Because suddenly Jesus is on trial for claiming to be a king, no less. And he's convicted and he's sentenced to die. And standing in front of the cross that day, his followers must have felt like the faith that they'd carried was dying too. Because once again, they'd let themselves believe that this could be the king that Isaiah talked about. And this one, he blew out of the water all their expectations of what it could mean to live in this king's kingdom. But now he's gone. And on the roller coaster of their faith journey, this is the moment where the stomach bottoms out. 
But we've all been there, right? We know what it feels like when our faith bottoms out. When chaos, crisis start to creep in. It could be that you're feeling that this holiday season. I, I've talked to many people who are. Maybe instead of feeling good tidings of comfort and joy, what you're feeling is more like anxiety and uncertainty. Because that can show up in all sorts of ways for us, right? It could be anxiety about that relative you know you're going to see at the holiday meal. <laughs> we probably all have one of these, right? People are elbowing each other. I love that. <laughs> There's always that one person you just can't seem to be around without an argument breaking out. And that's not what you pictured for your holiday. Or maybe it's uncertainty about how you're going to make ends meet when those post-Christmas credit card bills start rolling in. I know for, for many people in our Meadow Heights family, it's not knowing how they're going to weather this first holiday season without that loved one who has gone way too soon. If the only vision that you have for this holiday season is like me just marking goalposts, trying to get from one milestone to the next, I want to remind you of the good news today that into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Jesus comes as a good and gracious king whose reign will never end. And because he's with us, we don't have to fear life's uncertainty. Because what we know is Jesus' reign didn't end at the cross. He overcame even death itself to establish his forever kingdom. He appeared to all kinds of witnesses who then dedicated the rest of their lives to spreading this good news. And you know the very last thing he told them before he went back to heaven? He says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, to the very end of the age. He says, He's the king. The king has come. All authority on heaven and on earth is his. His kingdom has come, and his reign will never end. And that promise at the end is that he's going to be with us, always, to the very end. And we already saw what happens when God is with us. We saw it in Mary's story. We saw it in Isaiah's prophecy to, to the people of Judah. When God is with us, we're freed from the chains of fear. This is a theme that we see permeating scripture. God's presence with us delivers us from fear. It's like a child who has a fear of the dark, and then all of a sudden a loving parent is with them, and they're not so afraid anymore. God is that loving parent for us. We can be freed from the fear of uncertainty when we embrace the truth that our King, Jesus, is with us. Into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Jesus comes as a good and gracious King whose reign will never end. Because he is with us, we don't have to fear life's uncertainty. I know for me, um, when I think about this good news, this is kind of where it's showing up in my life right now. Um, as I look around at my life and my work and my relationships, all of which are still pretty much altered by the effects of the pandemic, I still have those moments where it feels like I'm like squinting through the darkness trying to find the next goalpost. And my gut response in those moments has been paralysis, which is totally new and disorienting for me because that is not my MO. Usually I'm the one that just like barrels through in chaos and I want to like find the problem and fix it for better or for worse. <laughs> but this year my challenge has been freezing up in the fear of the unknown. And my response this Advent season is to try to practice something we see in the life of Mary. 
after Jesus was born and she'd witnessed the, the wonder and the craziness of Isaiah's prophecies fulfilled, Luke tells us that she took a moment to pause and ponder all these things in her heart. She took time to acknowledge all that had happened and let the truth and the beauty of it sink deep into her soul. So instead of me pondering all my anxieties in a way that keeps me like stuck and frozen where I'm at, I'm trying to intentionally take some time to ponder the many ways that I noticed God present in my past. And then I take some time to just sit in stillness. I did this this morning, actually, in my basement, just to sit in silence and stillness and recognize that God is here with me in the present moment. And then I end by reminding myself that that same God who was with me in the past and is with me in the present moment, he's going to be with me in all those future moments too. And that gives me what I need to take a next step toward him. And maybe this Christmas you need to respond to this good news too. That into a world marked by chaos and crisis, Jesus comes as a good and gracious king. His reign will never end. And because he is with you, you don't have to fear life's uncertainty. And one of the ways you may need to respond to this is actually through baptism. Baptism is the way that we publicly declare our allegiance to Jesus as king. And we commit ourselves to living free of fear in his never-ending kingdom. We're going to be baptizing in our Christmas gatherings as we have the last few years. Those are happening on the 19th in just two weeks. So if you haven't taken that step yet, I want to invite you to consider doing so. To invite you to consider signing up, joining the others who have already, to pledge your allegiance publicly to Jesus this Christmas. And if you already know that maybe this is your next step, like, I, I would love it if you just grab your phone. If you open the app, there's a baptism icon on there. You can fill that out. We'll call you this next week, answer any questions you may have. We would love to celebrate that step with you in two weeks. Or if you don't have the app yet, or you just can't wait to tell somebody, come find me after the gathering. I'd be thrilled to be able to help you take your next step and to, and to do that, to pledge your allegiance to Jesus as king. Now, perhaps for many of us, another faithful response to the good news today is to just slow down. To just slow down enough to actually affirm and experience God's presence with us. Now, I don't think this is something we're very good at, honestly. And it gets even harder in the hustle and bustle of the season, right? So what I want to do is make some space right now for us to practice that. We're going to practice following in Mary's example and pondering all these things in our hearts. So I'm going to grab a, a stool. I'm going to sit down. I'd love it if you just kind of get comfortable where you are. Maybe close your eyes if that helps you focus. Take some deep breaths. And first, I just want you to take a moment to acknowledge with God, like, what chaos and crisis are you experiencing right now? Let's just take a few moments to get real with him about that.
God always wants to meet us right where we are in reality. He wants to meet us even in the chaos and the confusion and the crisis that we may be feeling right now. So now I want us to just take a moment in stillness. Let kind of your thoughts and your prayers fall still. And just take a moment to ponder that God is with you right now. He's with you in your everyday life, out there. He's with you right here in this room. If you find your mind wandering, um, we've put a, put a scripture on the screens from Isaiah. It says, so do not fear, for I am with you. Maybe just slow down your breaths, and as you breathe in, say, so do not fear. And as you breathe out, for I am with you. Take a moment to just enjoy being in God's presence this morning. Father, we want to thank you for your presence. Not just now, when we may have slowed down enough to notice, but in all the moments, past, present, and future. I pray that as we move into the, the rest of the holiday season, we would take with us the good news that Jesus has come as a good and gracious king and that he's with us all the time. We don't have to fear uncertainty, chaos, confusion, crisis, because you're with us, and you love us, and you'll meet us even in those dark moments. Father, I pray that when we go out of here in a few moments, that um, we will take with us that truth, and that you'll give us the grace to find moments to slow down when we need to, to acknowledge that you're with us, that you love us, and that you're king. In your name, amen.